On the Reconciling Marriages with Coach Jack podcast, Christian psychologist, author, and relationship coach, Dr. Jack Ito, will help you to build and restore your marriage. By learning just a few relationship skills, you can help your spouse enjoy your relationship more while getting more love and affection from your spouse. Listen to Coach Jack as he helps you with one more step toward a marriage both you and your spouse will love. Are you in a long-distance relationship? If you are, you'll want to know how to keep good communication in your relationship and keep the relationship going. Today, I want to talk to you about some communication problems that can lead to relationship issues in long-distance relationships and how you can improve communication and emotional connection in that kind of relationship. You can learn to keep your relationship alive and growing even while you are apart. I first met my wife online while living 10,000 miles apart. She lived in Japan and was learning English. I lived in the USA and was learning Japanese. It would be three years before we married and one year before we even saw each other. The way we communicated in our long-distance relationship made all the difference because that is all we had. You too can keep your relationship growing while physically distant from your spouse or significant other. It's not just a matter of keeping in touch. The fact is, long-distance relationships are prone to many problems and present the biggest challenge to keeping a married couple connected. Let me tell you what the main problem is in long-distance relationships and how it happens. The main problem is emotional distance. That's no different from in relationships which are not long-distance. People often take emotional connection for granted when they have it. For a successful long-distance relationship, careful attention must be paid to maintaining the emotional connection. Emotional connection is the desire to be with the other person again. It can be impacted by a few different types of communication problems, especially in long-distance relationships. Let me list those for you. The first is an emotional mismatch between you and your spouse or partner. It's very difficult to maintain or build a relationship when your partner feels differently about the relationship than you do. That's an emotional mismatch. With single people, for example, one person may feel very strongly in love and fantasizes about being married to the other. Meanwhile, their partner thinks of the relationship mainly as a fun connection, similar to others that he or she has been with. Over time, This makes one person feel pushed and stressed and the other anxious and upset. Over time, this can make one person feel pushed and stressed by the person with more intense feelings. The person with more intense feelings can become anxious and upset because their partner doesn't seem to be as interested in the relationship. I often encounter this when working to help someone reconcile with a spouse who is less emotionally invested in the relationship than them. They are very much in love with their spouses who are not at all in love with them. Typically, what people do in this situation is they chase their partners, pursue them, making their partners want to run away and also causing their partners to shut down communication even more. If your significant other seems to be running away from you, it may be that you are too far ahead of your partner. This can happen with single people when they quickly fall in love, 
with somebody new who hasn't developed those feelings yet. They can come on too strong, too intensely, and actually push the other person away. This can also happen in a reconciling situation where we push away our spouse who is not emotionally where we are. Of course, this can also happen in a long-distance relationship where we have developed very strong feelings for the other person that are not reciprocated, or maybe a better way to think of it is they're not reciprocated yet. Sometimes we just need to hold back our feelings so that the other person can feel more comfortable and their feelings can grow to the point where they match ours. And then we will no longer have that emotional mismatch and can continue to grow our relationship. Another problem that happens in long-distance relationships is boring communication. This, like emotional connection, is something which also happens when people are living together and don't have any uh, physical distance at all. When we're living with someone, though, it can be easier to see their boredom. When we are living long distance, we might not be able to see them multitasking, uh, doing other things, even playing a video game while communicating with us. We can't see them stifling their yawns. We have to be more aware of whether we are being boring for the other person or not. Boring communication decreases the desire for contact. I once had a girlfriend, long-distance relationship. She lived a couple of hours away, and we met on some weekends because of our busy schedules. But she would call me every day and talk nonstop for an hour while I tried to stay focused. Now, if you have someone who is a psychologist fighting to stay focused, that is not a relationship that is not going very well. <laughs> Typically, that is our job to stay focused and listen to people all day long. And this girlfriend would occasionally test me to see if I was listening or had fallen asleep. The reason why it was so difficult for me to stay focused is because she told me about every facet of her day. For her, talking, saying anything, equaled connection. This problem happens frequently with married people also, and it doesn't matter whether they are distant or together. Their talking becomes like giving a report on the day's events, which usually don't have much variation. If your significant other seems tuned out, responds minimally, and makes excuses to end your communication, there's a good chance that he or she is bored by your communication. Boredom definitely creates emotional distance. It's better to have no contact than boring contact for building relationships. A third cause of problems in long-distance relationships, which is a communication problem, is disagreements. What draws people together initially is similarity. And then what keeps them together after that is similarity. When your partner starts to feel that the two of you are very different, then the loving feelings start to disappear. Just because you have a different opinion doesn't mean that you need to share it. While intellectually stimulating, while conversation creating, it actually emotionally disconnects. This often happens with people who want to impress others. They often do that by disagreeing. It's a way of showing off their intelligence. In terms of building connection, 
it's far better to show off the other person's intelligence, even if they're not so intelligent. That means agreeing and empathizing with them without adding our disagreements into the mix. When we do this, it validates the other person and makes them feel good about themselves. The better you make someone feel about themselves, the better they're going to feel about you. Hey, let me say that again, because I think it's a really important point. The better you make someone feel about themselves, the better they will feel about you. So, how can you increase emotional connection in a long-distance relationship? There are a few simple changes that you can make to improve the emotional connection, and these all relate to helping your spouse or significant other to look forward to communicating with you and to enjoy communicating with you. If he or she will find it more enjoyable to talk with someone else, then that can be the beginning of the end for your relationship. If you're married, don't think like a husband or wife. Think more like a boyfriend or girlfriend and communicate more like that with your spouse. People never lose their desire for that. Would you get tired of your spouse treating you the way that he or she used to when you were first dating? I think most people miss that. Bringing some of that back into your relationship and keeping that going will really help with the emotional connection. Also, you need to consider frequency. How often you communicate with each other. How often you contact each other when you are long distance. Now, there is not a standard amount of time that you should contact each other. I can't give you a guideline that says once a day, five times a day, three times a week, so forth. It does not depend on whether you are married or single either. It also does not depend on how much you want to contact your partner. For building your relationship, what matters is how often your partner enjoys talking, texting, emailing, contacting with you. Think of it like feeding someone. For someone to enjoy your cooking, they should be a little hungry. If they're not hungry at all, they may still eat to satisfy you, but they won't enjoy it as much. Less enjoyment means not looking forward to your cooking so much next time. And if you overfeed them, they will start to avoid you. A good rule of thumb is not to contact your partner more than he or she contacts you. In fact, when I do relationship building with people, the typical amount that I will have them contact their partner or their spouse is less than their spouse contacts them. That is typically the opposite from what people feel like doing. But as I said before, when our emotions are ahead of the other person and we contact them more than they want to, it actually stresses them, and then they pull away to reduce their stress. This same rule applies to your friends, by the way. If you contact them too often, then your friendship may suffer. How about how long you talk or write or text? The duration. You may love to say a lot, or you may be a person of few words. Just as with frequency, you need to pay attention to what your partner enjoys. You can get a good indication of that from two things. First, how much he or she communicates with you. And two, a shift in tone during the communication. In a long email, for example, 
you will see some really good content followed by filler and reporting. This is because people think that more is better. The same goes for conversations. The first five minutes may be really good, and then 15 minutes of boring communication follows. If you want your relationship to build, eliminate all of the boring stuff. This will result in shorter, but more enjoyable exchanges. It will leave your partner wanting more rather than less. If my old talkative girlfriend had just realized that, our relationship would have lasted much longer, I am sure. How about the content? What you talk about. What you talk about should always be of interest to the other person if you want to build your relationship. If it's not of interest to the other person, then why talk about it? If your spouse asks you about your day, talk about your day. But talk about the part of your day that appeals to your spouse's interests. For example, if your spouse is a people person, talk about the people you encountered in your day. If your spouse is practical and analytical, then keep away from all the social office politics kinds of things. This is something we do quite naturally with most people. For example, we talk to old people about health, weather, and relatives. Why is that? Well, that's because it's what they like to talk about. We talk to children about games, friends, and imaginary stories. We talk to our friends about the fun things we have in common. Why then do so many people talk about mundane things with their partners? Many people do it just to keep the communication going. They think if they're saying something, it means they are connected. But as I said before, pretending to be interested in someone is not emotional connection. Emotional connection has to do with similarity, looking forward to being with each other and enjoying people when you are with them. Just talking and not enjoying it is not emotional connection. Our communication should stop when the other person stops enjoying it. Or, if you want to go even one step better, communication should stop before the other person stops enjoying it. That way, they look forward to talking with you more. That builds desire. There are some other issues I'd like to make you aware of. How you communicate while you're away from each other is not the only thing that you need to do for your relationship. What you do when you are together can be just as important. I'm assuming that sometimes you meet this person that you have the long-distance relationship with. You especially want your spouse or your significant other to feel like every departure is something sad and every get-together is something joyful. If your spouse or significant other feels that every departure is joyful and every get-together is stressful, you need to reverse that right away. In long-distance relationships, getting together requires more connection effort than in other relationships where people are together more. Let me give you an example from my life. When my wife comes back from a long trip, say, visiting her mother in Japan, I always meet her at the airport with a dozen roses. I make her feel like I haven't seen her in a year, even if it has only been a couple of weeks. That's not because I'm so needy. I wrote the book on overcoming neediness, after all. Used to be needy, not needy now. 
The reason I do this with my wife at the airport is because it's my job as a husband to make her feel like she is the most important person to me in the world. That is my job. That is your job, too, to make your spouse feel that way. And like any job, if you do your job well, you actually will enjoy your job, too. Many couples treat their spouse coming back like it's some kind of changing of shifts. Their spouse comes back and immediately gets handed the kids, the bills, the laundry, etc. Now, I can understand not wanting to have those large responsibilities and all that work that you've had for a long time while your spouse didn't need to do anything or didn't need to do any of those chores. For the returning spouse, though, it's like leaving one job to come home to another. On top of that, couples who do this often have stopped dating. They've stopped spending the daily time together or they don't enjoy their sexual relationship anymore. When this happens, then time apart starts to become better than time together. Speaking of your time apart from your spouse or significant other, it's really important to control your thoughts and behavior when you are apart. We all have needs that don't go away when our partners do. With a long absence, like a spouse on deployment, for example, it's easier to find yourself more attracted to those people you have regular contact with, such as coworkers, classmates, or even friends. Even if you never act on these temptations, they can erode your feelings for your significant other or your spouse. For these situations, you need to have boundaries. Your boundaries are not for your spouse, but they're for you. First, don't play around with being friends with people of the opposite sex. It may be okay for you when your spouse is around and you don't have temptation to do that. But if your spouse or significant other is far away, you won't have contact for a while. It's so easy for an appropriate relationship to start to become inappropriate. The best way to have friends of the opposite sex, if you're going to do that, which some people cannot, but if you're going to do that, is to make sure your spouse is involved when you get together with your friends of the opposite sex. Also, don't use pornography or fantasize about others. You might think that is all in your head. Well, it is, but in your head is also where your feelings are for your spouse. So what you need to fantasize about is your spouse. Now, I'm not talking just about sexual things. You can have other kinds of fantasies. You can relive happy memories of you and your spouse together. You can review pictures of you and your spouse together. I think it's important to keep his or her picture on your desk. And you can talk to that picture regularly as though you were talking to your spouse. That also will help you to maintain your feelings for your spouse. Make sure you're talking to the picture in a nice way, of course. Maintaining our love for our spouse has more to do with guarding our hearts than it does with what our spouse does. We have very little danger of ever losing our spouse if we remain a loving person 
for our spouse. Let me say a word about putting relationships on hold. Sometimes people create long-distance relationships for practical reasons, thinking they can put the relationship on hold. Relationships cannot be put on hold. Many people have found this out the hard way. They put off dating or spending time together with their spouses. They try to get their business going first. Or they work to finish their college degree. People who do this often find they have no relationship to go back to once the business is successful or once the degree is earned. What does that mean practically? It means that you need to put work or school on hold sometimes, not your relationship. No matter how much you want to achieve your goals, take time out from them to maintain your relationship with your significant other. This problem also happens with people who live together. They focus on raising their child while putting their relationship on hold. Or they focus on building their business while neglecting to have daily time together when they don't talk about their business. Both of these are recipes for a marriage disaster. If you've forgotten how to help your spouse enjoy talking with you, then I have other resources that you can use to help your spouse enjoy talking with you again. Probably one of the most beneficial of those is a free download that you can get. And I've created different downloads for men and women. For women, I have five lessons that you can get through your email. Won't cost you a thing, but will help your husband to enjoy talking with you again if you can just practice those skills over the coming several weeks. For men, I have put similar lessons in an ebook, but adapted to helping your wife to enjoy talking with you again. Many people have told me that simply using this free downloadable resource has improved their relationship to the point where their spouse and they are having a really good relationship again without needing any other intervention. If, on the other hand, you do everything you know how to do, or what you are doing is just not creating any kind of progress, then it's time to work with a coach. I would be happy to work with you if you would like me to help you to get your relationship going again, help your spouse to be more attracted to you, to reconnect with you, to be more interested in you, even to desire talking to you again if he or she no longer even wants to do that. You can sign up for coaching or consultations on my website. I would be happy to help you to make a good plan for building your relationship with your spouse. Thank you for listening to Reconciling Marriages with Coach Jack. Visit CoachJackIto.com to learn more skills for reconnecting with your spouse and restoring your marriage.